11 to 8. Let's, uh, let's head to Kev. Chris Reason is in the besieged city for Channel 7. Chris, good morning to you, mate, and thanks very much for joining us. Good morning to you guys. Always a pleasure. So the, the latest we heard is that the city is now surrounded. Can you just describe what the scene has been there in the last few hours? Yeah, look, I mean, it, uh, it ebbs and flows. It, it's been extraordinary to watch, but uh, the mayor of, uh, of Kiev is saying that he thinks that the entire city is now surrounded by Russian troops. The, the Basically, the noose has been placed around Kiev's head and it's beginning to tighten. Now, the extraordinary thing about this is, though, that this has taken the Russians so long to get to this position. The Ukrainian resistance, guys, is nothing short of phenomenal and, and almost inspirational, the way they have been fighting back these last four days. But, look, the reality is the Russian forces are strong, well well um, trained, well prepared, well armed, and they will no doubt march into Kiev. But it's going to be a battle. It's still going to be a battle on a street by street basis, and 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 I think that uh, that is going to be a situation replicated across every town, village, and city in this country. The Ukrainians are up for a fight, and they are going to give it back to the Russians. Chris, we've seen footage over the weekend of community events in Kiev where. Locals are sitting around in the town square making Molotov cocktails. We've seen people posting videos of themselves online, holding AK-47, saying that they're going to do everything they can. Do you think there's a prospect that it could actually be almost like the city using guerrilla warfare against Russia in the event, in the very likely event that the the tanks start rolling into the very centre of Kiev? I couldn't agree more. And I, I think what we're about to see is... Well, Europe's version of Afghanistan, we're going to have an Afghanistan in Europe and it's going to last for potentially years because the Ukrainians aren't just going to roll over and say, yeah, OK, Vlad, come on in, you can take the country back and you know, go for your life. They're going to sit here and fight and make it uncomfortable for whatever occupying force is trying to take over. And I, all those scenes you just painted, Dave, with, the, with the, 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 the mothers, the women, the children, filling up bottles uh, with petrol and flammable, flammable liquids to basically create Molotov cocktails. The recipe, the instruction guide, is on the government website, and the government was saying to its citizens, follow this recipe, go and make these Molotov cocktails, and the, the, the laughing slogan was, um, yeah, greet your Russian invader with a cocktail, a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> and and they've taken it to heart. Mm. They're, they're actually doing it. And then, and then, as you say, the guns that have been handed out by the thousand... Uh, every time we go out of our um, hotel set up and get pulled over every five minutes here by roadblocks and 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 worryingly and interestingly by this growing um, force of um, just citizen uh, soldiers who basically decide to make themselves authoritarian, like sort of SES with guns. They're everywhere, but all of these guys, they're they're aged 16 to 60. They've been given free guns. You've just got to show up with a passport at the depot and you get your, your collection of and off you go. And they've all got these brand-new weapons. And, and you know, it, it's it's scary in some ways. People with no experience of guns and no training just just grabbing these things and walking around the streets. But it's inspiring in others. Mm. These guys are digging their heels in. They're going to do what they can to try and fight for their country. So what's it like living in the middle of a war zone at the moment, Chris? What are, I mean, how much can you move around? How bound are you to, to what your accommodation is? How do you get information out from... Official sources like the the Ukrainian government. How does it how does it work? 
Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's, the information part is extremely easy and, and extremely fast and, uh, and slick because it's all social media these days and it's all mobile phones, which is fun and interesting. I've always I've been trying to work out why the Russians haven't marched in and instantly taken out the communications and switched off um, our ability to, to report and people's ability to communicate and the enemy's ability to move their forces around using... Um, you know, 3G and 5G and 4G, et cetera. But anyway, they haven't. So we've been able to keep operating on that front. In terms of the logistics and moving around, I, I prefer to spend my time, you know, in smaller, low-profile places, not in the high-rise CBD um, towers. So I've been away from those. We're out in the suburbs of Kiev, and, and it's tricky. You've got to be extremely careful. We've got professional security with us. We choose the times of the day to do it. You've got really good local fixers who... Are tapped into um, social media and to particular apps and, and have their own contacts that know when we can go out, do our news gatherings, uh, and then get back into the into the safety of the building when we need to. So we're running it that way, um, but it's dangerous. There's no two ways about it. I don't think I've been to a war zone more dangerous than this one. And the enemy is so intimidatingly frightening. Um, you know, the Russians are not mucking around. They're trained professionals, and they're also... They're almost almost like they've been backed into a bit of a corner here. I think they've marched over the borders, 190,000 of them, thinking they were going to take over this country quite quickly, um, you know, decapitate the, the capital city, the government, the whole caper there. But it just didn't happen because of this resistance. It's almost like they've walked into an army of 44 million, the population of Ukraine, ready to fight back. And they're sort of a little bit stunned. They're back on the back foot right now. And so is their president, Vladimir Putin, to the point where today, guys, I don't know if you've heard this news, but he's basically come out and said he's now put his nuclear deterrent mm. forces on combat-ready status. Now, when a leader of a country, a superpower, starts talking about nuclear weapons, and to, if you go back through uh, his history, he's never resorted to that in the 20-plus years he's been in power. That's frightening. You know, he's looking like he's panicking. He's looking like he's extremely angry. Uh, he's pulling out the nuclear card, and we're only at day four of this war. Rizzo, the um, what can you tell us, or what do you know about these proposed talks between Moscow and Kiev that are now going to be held near the Belarus border, which is the country just to the north of Ukraine that's very mm. loyal to to Russia and has been letting the Russians use the country as a as a missile base? Surely Zelensky and Putin themselves wouldn't go to the talks, would they? Because if I was Zelensky, I mean, given that Putin's shown a in the past, a, 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 an unbridled degree of enthusiasm for poisoning his opponents. I, I reckon if you're a, the leader of a state that's saying F you Russia quite literally, as the foreign minister said yesterday to, to quote him, I'd be worried about turning up to a meeting like that. Yeah, I think um, you and Zelensky are probably thinking exactly the same thing, mate. He will be as well. And, and that was the very basis of some very delicate and long negotiations to get to the point they announced today about these peace talks because they refused. Zelensky said, I'm not going to Russia to do this, obviously. And Russia said, well, we're not going to Ukraine. And then what about we do it in Belarus, as you say, just to the north of uh, Ukraine? And, and Zelensky said, well, you guys have been helping the Russians. You're just puppets of theirs. I'm not going to your country. So they've chosen the, the border between the two countries, the no-man's land between the two countries to have this talk. Now, would you turn up? I don't think they would at this stage. I think the foreign minister's marked down to go. But Zelensky's an interesting cat. He's just, he's been the most, he'll be Time Magazine Man of the Year this year. I've got absolutely no doubt. This <laughs> mm. former comedian actor who's turned into presidential 
gold, as in he's managed to just inspire this country and and lift it to a place where it, I don't think it ever thought it would be, to be able to stand up to the might of this superpower. And whatever you say, Russia is still a superpower, uh, and, and to do what he's done. So, look, Zelensky's an interesting character. Will he go to those talks? I don't know, but everybody is hoping that those talks produce something. Have you got a sense, Chris, how close the fighting is to you right now? I mean, is the, is the sound, is there the constant sound of, of gunfire or artillery shelling? Have you got planes going overhead? What, what, how close do you feel like you are to it? Oh, the planes are going overhead a lot. You just you hear the dull, thunderous thud of missile launches and rocket um, strikes uh, throughout the night. Um, gunfire is, is sporadic. I, I thought it would be constant. I thought it'd be, you know, like sort of yeah, being ridiculous here, but mo- more movie style. I thought it'd be with a, with a force like the Russian army and air force that we would see a lot more. Um, constant and prolonged engagement, but it sort of seems to have broken down into very guerrilla-like movers, manoeuvres and very small pockets of um, of resistance, of pockets of conflict that happen. Street-by-street street fighting happens and it disappears. You'll hear a lot of gunfire and then suddenly it's all gone. You'll see they target one or two buildings with missiles and then they stop. Um, it's just, it's, it's an interesting tactic and strategy. I'm sort of watching and learning as it unfolds but it's always there and it's always frightening and everybody has a gun and the other problem is this one's interesting you'll love this guys it, it, it's because the borders have been seamless and because the two countries russia and ukraine are so similar and share so much of the history and their, their cultural background and so many ukrainians speak russian there is that whole thing of are you actually from russia Mm. Are you from Ukraine? Mm. You know, and everybody mm. looks at each other and doesn't quite know who's the enemy and who's not. And we've seen a couple of locals took us yesterday. Said, come, come and see this. Come and see this. And on the street, just outside this, um, just about a street back from an airbase, a red cross in this fluorescent weird paint had been painted on the on the on the ground, right? And the the locals had painted over it black, and that hadn't worked. You could still see the glow of the red through the black, and so they start they put turf on top of it. And anyway, they told me it was an identifier, a mark mm. that um, could be picked up from the air by Russian planes to be able to, you know, work out where they were supposed to strike, where they were supposed to. But the person that made the mark, they believe, is someone from their village, and they can't mm. work out who it is. Wow! I mean, Jeez. that's just like frighteningly yeah. freaky, and you know that the enemy's amongst you. And it, 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 look, it's a fascinating conflict. I'll tell mm. you that. Will you stay safe, Chris? Uh, we really Be appreciate good, you giving us some time to, uh, to talk to us here in Adelaide. Thank you. Thank you, Rizzo. Anytime, guys. Chris Rosen, who's one of the best what. reporters in this country. Uh, he is a brilliant journalist, that yeah, guy. And he... I'd tell you what, he's a braver man than I am when oh. it comes to my idea of covering a conflict. Give me a nice, ugly eastern suburbs Liberal Party pre-selection brawl any day. <laughs> uh, standing around the middle of Kiev, not my cup of tea. And uh, yeah, had an amazing level of uh, sang-froid coolness of blood to use a French term that Luce would be familiar with but just you know just they're like he's covering any other news story and these guys as Piers Morgan tweeted overnight like you know don't want to get too schmaltzy about it but it is courageous um nothing as courageous as the Ukrainian people though and uh vitally important to get news from people who are actually there Dave makes the point on the Telstra store about Barker Texan whatever these journos get paid for heading over to war zones I'm just going to assume it's not enough